Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Do not surrender to the advance of the state. The state is not the solution. The state is the problem itself. You are the true protagonists of this story. And rest assured that as from today, Argentina is your staunch, unconditional ally. Thank you very much and long live freedom. Damn it. I would vote for that guy. I just like him. I like his approach. That's what's happening in a lot of parts of the world. Uh, people who are deemed unelectable suddenly are elected. I'm not suggesting that they're all, they all should be elected. But I like the way Mealy presents himself. I, anybody who ends a presentation of the World Economic Forum with, what did he say? And long live freedom. Damn it. Yeah, exactly. Tom, you're good. Tom Craig, who flies this thing and uh, answers the phone when you, when you call in. Just a tremendous work for us. And it has been a bit of a challenging weekend, hasn't it? And last weekend, too. Not just my voice. But we got through it. And, and the reward is we get the opportunity now to speak to our great friend and executive editor of Black Locks Reporter at Minding Ottawa on X or Twitter, whichever you prefer. I, I don't imagine we'll ever decide on one or the other, not as long as Elon Musk has $246 billion. He's just slightly less wealthy than Tom Korski. Uh, but that's a, speaking to me, there's a, when you say it's a reward, I, I say, well, like, what's first prize? Like, this is sort of like <laughs> the second prize. There must have been something better. <laughs> How are you, Mr. Korski? I'm well, Roy. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. So uh, some, let's talk about some of the, the stories that you've covered and continue to carry on Blacklock's reporter at Mining Ottawa. So uh, uh, fairly eagle-eyed folks on, uh, on Twitter. I, I still say Twitter. And if Elon Musk ever calls me, I'll start calling it X. Um, I'd, love to, I'd love to talk to him. Anyway, some eagle-eyed folks saw that at David Lametti was gone. It had disappeared from X or Twitter. And now Lametti's disappeared from Ottawa. And this is after the federal court made the decision, not an opinion, which the liberals like to suggest is what the um, Supreme Court's decision concerning the No More Pipelines Act was. No, it was, it was a decision that Mr. Trudeau and his government it violated the charter rights of you, Tom, of me, and every Canadian by enacting the Emergencies Act or invoking it. So, so, so talk to us about Lametti. Absolutely. Uh, by the way, uh, the deletion of his Twitter account is a, a very significant sidebar. There have been a concern, serious concerns expressed by archivists, uh, researchers, serious people, Roy, that so much public business is now conducted electronically, and it's not like when you had to get a truck backed up to the prime minister's office and take the old cabinet minutes and paper form down to the National Archives so future historians forevermore could understand what the McDonald cabinet was thinking when they built the Canadian Pacific Railway. What did Dave Lametti say in direct messages about this fundamental court ruling? Well, now we'll never know. 
And maybe that's uh, uh, transitional right now. In 50, 60 years, historians may care a great deal. At the moment, it is the epilogue of Dave Lametti's political career. He was the attorney general. He was dead wrong. It was interesting. None of the Freedom Convoy, my two cents, Roy, none of the Freedom Convoy saga makes sense to anyone outside of Ottawa, unless you appreciate that Ottawans are unhinged on the subject of the Freedom Convoy. I say this as an Ottawa ratepayer. For the sake of friendship of associations, co-workers, neighbors, we do not talk about the Freedom Convoy because people in this town are berserk on the subject. You listen to them, and they sound like they survived the bombing of Coventry. Dave Lametti, and we know this because of documents obtained by a judicial inquiry. Dave Lametti wet his pants. He was the attorney general. He said he was personally scared. He felt personally threatened. He left town. It was that bad. But did anyone threaten? Did anyone say, hey, Lametti, you're getting it? No. It was the signage. He didn't like the Trudeau signs and the honking. And as a result, in the immortal words of the then chief clerk of the Privy Council, secretary of the cabinet, they decided to drop, quote-unquote, the full weight of government on those political protesters. And you just had a federal court judge say you were wrong in law. There was no violence. You want lawlessness? That's what happened at the cabinet table. That's a wow, Roy. That is a big wow. And it's particularly interesting that it's, it's a judge who, I suppose, I mean, it's been said that he has liberal leanings personally. But when he looked at the law, when he looked at the Emergencies Act and the circumstances under which it was invoked, said, no matter, I'm paraphrasing, I may have some thoughts or some empathy for what you were thinking, but you were wrong. Uh, I think that's significant. And and you write in, in, uh, in Black Box Reporter, Lametti still said he was proud of his service, made no mention of the EA court ruling and said, I am proud of this legacy. So what that sounds like to me, Tom, is this line. When you're being run out of town, <laughs> get out in front, make it look like a parade. That's, it's exactly, which is exactly what he did. By the way, that judge in, in the case, Judge Mosley, 74, which means he's about to retire. This was his legacy. And he was a liberal cabinet appointee. Paul Martin cabinet appointed him. And he was a lifelong crown counsel. He's lived in Ottawa for 50 years. This was a, an establishment guy. And whether the defendants, the uh, Department of Justice, picked Judge Mosley, and uh, by the way, there, such things do occur. The federal court, we like to think, is sterlingly independent. In many ways, quite often, it's uh, just another federal bureaucracy. But Judge Mosley did his job. 190-page ruling was absolutely devastating, and they say cabinet instantly. I find it hard to believe that there were members of cabinet who read all 190 pages before they rushed to the microphone and said, that we're, this is, we're going to appeal this, and then recycled all the old speeches about how scared they were. Right. This is a low-water mark, right? Every, every spring, they observe the anniversary of the Charter of Rights and observance of civil liberties in our country, this is a low watermark. This is going to be the worst Charter Day ever. Here's what Christian Freeland said. We have discussed it with the Prime Minister. 
with cabinet colleagues, with senior federal government officials and experts. We respect very much Canada's independent judiciary. However, we do not agree with this decision. So, so, so there, Tom, there's a verbalization of pain. <laughs> it's going to get more painful. I know. And, and I I'll know. tell you why. This is uh, inevitably going to the Supreme Court. Yep. What did the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court say in an April 9, 2022 interview with the uh, Le Devoir, Quebec Daily? He likened the Freedom Convoy to anarchists and hostage takers. I'm quoting. This is the Chief Justice of the highest court of a G7 country. Quote, what we saw in Wellington Street here was the beginning of anarchy, where certain people decided to take other citizens hostage to take the law into their own hands. Unquote. That's Chief Justice Wagner. This is going to be the guy who's hearing the case. You know, there's some lawlessness and anarchy going on, but it's not the people who were having Macarena dances and cooking hot dogs for the kids on Wellington Street. It happens to be the people who, Dave Lametti, this guy was a professor of law at McGill University. Yes, he was. Right? Pretty good law school. Was he not the dean at McGill Law? I think, I think he was. I for some reason, they don't want him back now, but whatever. I wonder why. Exactly. These are supposed to be our betters. They're supposed to be the learned ones. If you become attorney general or your Supreme Court chief justice, you don't get to be scared or irritated by people who are expressing a political opinion to which you disagree. Everyone should feel very strongly about that. Well, I feel very strongly that the chief justice, having made those statements, should recuse himself from participating in the Supreme Court decision. Yeah, they never do, though. No, they don't. I, we found one instance. It was a copyright case. It was a, forgive me, it was a rather inept judgment. It was access copyright by York University. The judge who wrote the judgment, Justice Abella, now retired. Her husband was a former employee and pensioner of York University. Are you kidding me? In police court, they would call that a conflict of interest. At county council, they would say, oh, you shouldn't really do that, Rose. This is where we are. What about all the family members and friends of family members and friends of the minister who were placed on the bench in New Brunswick, the federal minister for public safety? <laughs> we don't want to bring that up. Was it, was it five or six or 500 of okay, them? Okay, this is... Now, this is anarchy, Roy. You're, you are off the rails. <laughs> Somebody sent me an email and said, aren't you tired? Aren't you scared of pissing people off? No, it's what I do. That it's, is what you do, Roy. It's you what do I do. so well. It's, it's what I do. When you're being run out of town, get out in front. Make it look like a parade. <laughs> uh, gold. So I remember, Tom, the exact moment... I realized it was over for Justin Trudeau. And the exact moment I realized his political career was going to start going downward was when he went to Quebec and collected one Stephen Guilbeault, president of Equiterre, and we can imagine what Equiterre is or was. He brought, won an SUV tax. That's right. That's right. And he, and he brought him to Parliament, and Mr. Guilbeault's gift to Canadians is the carbon tax. But at 
Black Box Reporter, you point to the tax on the tax and how much it's worth to the government. Tell us about that. Well, it's interesting, Roy. The government has always said that the tax is revenue neutral. In fact, the finance minister has said that frequently, repeatedly, the House of Commons Committee, Commons Finance Committee, revenue neutral. But it's not. It's subject to the GST. This is the famous, infamous tax on tax. There was a, back in the day, there was a former Conservative MP, uh, Mark Warawa, from uh, Langley, B.C., who introduced a bill. This was, oh my goodness, this is seven years ago, in which he wanted to stop any GST collections on the carbon tax. Well, they don't. And what is it worth? It's worth almost a half billion dollars this year. That is the carbon tax charge with the GST, the GST on top of the, the, the tax on the tax. $496 million this year. So that's not revenue neutral. That's big money. Mm-hmm. And when you buy gasoline, I'm, I'm sure it's still the way it was a number of years ago. Every liter of gasoline that you purchase, which has provincial tax and federal tax, uh, has the GST piled on top of that tax. So there's oh, another tax on taxes. Your natural gas bill, absolutely. Yeah. So I've been wondering, and I've been, I've been waiting with bated breath. No, I haven't. But I've been waiting for the news on the ArriveCan app and the Auditor General's decision. Please, Mr. Korsky, fill us in. This is a big deal, and it's worth marking the day Monday. I'm looking at a calendar now, the February 12th. That's the Monday, second Monday in February. Auditor General Hogan is going to release a report, uh, a special audit, by order of the House of Commons. Opposition MPs overruled Cabinet's objections on this. A special audit of ArriveCan. This is the famous app everyone recalls, cross-border travelers, pre-submission of proof of vaccination in the heyday of the pandemic. Well, what's interesting about that? (laughs) There's no way to make this pretty, Roy. Federal managers lied to the House of Commons about what it cost. They said it cost $19 million, and it didn't. It cost more than double that, $54 million. How could you possibly spend $54 million on an app? Well, they discovered that there were brokers, contractors, sole-sourced contractors. These were guys who knew just who to call, who were paid millions in commissions. There are contractors who became millionaires off this deal. An audit has been ordered. It will be released. This is highly unusual. Auditors going to meet for two hours in closed session with MPs and staff to take questions and then go into a special session of the Commons Public Accounts Committee in public, approximately 11.15 Eastern, Monday, February 12th, and she's going to talk about the disclosure. What's the takeaway here, Roy? This is why we think this is very noteworthy. There's no real suspicion or allegation that there was political direction in here. This is worse. This is federal managers. These are guys on the golf course. They were not directed by any cabinet minister. These were senior managers at the Canada Border Services Agency, and they know they had a friend, and I know a guy. So let's go back to the clubhouse and have a couple of drinks, and we're going to work this out. If you do that in Zaire, they call it corruption. When you do that in Ottawa, they say, we did a great job. I'm proud of my service. This is, this is a bad one, Roy. And I call it Ad Scam 2024. That's what it is. So Stephen Harper's vilified, vilified 
vilified by the prime minister and his cabinet, except maybe not so much. Tell us about that. Well, Roy, I know that you're a young man. You won't appreciate this, but if you live long enough, everything kind of comes around. (laughs) (laughs) Stephen Harper, around 2009, saw that there was a large increase in the number of Mexicans who were claiming asylum in Canada. The vast majority of these refugee claimants were bogus. They were false. Costs a lot of money. So the cabinet of the day, 2009, remember that there's approximately 9,000, 10,000 refugee claimants a year from Mexico. Harper brought in a visa. He said, you cannot step on a plane as a Mexican national and fly to Canada unless you first get a visa. Well, this was seen as demeaning. And in fact, there was a Mexican ambassador who said, this is demeaning. We're part of NAFTA now. Where do you get off, Harper? So when cabinet came in, the liberal cabinet 2016, they repealed that. What happened? Well, we lived long enough. And what happened is what was 9,000 Mexican refugee climates fell to as low as 120 a year under the visa requirement, took away the visa rule, never guess what happened. It went to 23,000 is the backlog now at the Immigration Refugee Board. Number one source country for refugee claimants in Canada. It's not Russia. It's not China or North Korea. It's Mexico. It's unbelievable. Cabinet, obviously, is now going to bring back the visa. They just don't want to announce that because that's, you know, it's... It's embarrassing, right? Yeah, and I I interviewed Stephen Harper about that in 2009. I remember that. I love the line. I've never heard it before. What goes around comes around. I've never heard that before. (laughs) Thank you, Tom. Thanks so much. Always great talking to you. Thank you. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.